Hello, this is Yaya Ya Ne Ne Ne, the online radio dedicated to the arts. And this is our podcast where we are listening to excerpts of our archive and where we're presenting new artist contributions in the form of voice messages. My name is Arif. And my name is Ratna. And in this episode, we will listen to a piece about pre-internet software piracy by Luis Rodil Fernandez. But first, we got a voice message from Ivan Cheng. And Arif, you've worked with Ivan before. Can you tell me a bit more about his uh, background? Yeah, Ivan has studied critical studies here in Amsterdam at the Sandberg Institute. And he now runs a project space called Bologna. And there are regular exhibitions and performances. And you should definitely go. Um, if you can't go because you're not in Amsterdam, then go and check out his website because it's amazing. And it's bologna.cc. Why is it amazing? Should I tell? Well, it's um, basically a Facebook clone. It has all the nice things of Facebook, mm -hmm. minus all the problems that we have recently heard about. I will visit. You already convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> and yeah, Ivan sent several voice messages, actually. And we'll play the first one he sent now. Okay. Sitting in a parking stance, crutch, a bench not for lying on, break aside. Back thrown askew, key bent in lock, though it still works, hinge, queen, all this all happening in change room. The purse I carry has enough space for a water bottle, wallet, and around half of a 170 gram bag of crisps. When I'm in the mall, I'll buy a bag almost without fail. There are no leftovers from the day before. What I liked about Macquarie Center is that the original layout was a spiral. I could wander up and down the ramp of it. There was a clock tower water feature in the center. Shoppers became furious and disoriented. Where do the levels begin and end? What? I like about the Sydney Opera House car park is that it's a double helix, its body is its exit, safe from tunneling. The first open sewer in Sydney was where the Opera House now is. It's morning. I can still hear wind chimes. Opening the family bag of ribald chips from the bottom end. And the orange dust and grime coats the lip, shopping, shopping for or walking, wasting away, but in a good way. Like a candle burning in the wind, who to cling to. When the rain falls in, carding fingers through my hair, the flavoring might 
linger fragrant, huh? The silver foil is creased and crimped torn too, so it leaves orange grease on the points of contact, orange dusting on my lip. Fades would smear like makeup, my paprika foundation licked the back of my hand down the knuckle and the slight hairs gloss like a pancake foundation my saliva is the basest coat daily sanitizing paprika texas barbecue onion cheese jamon ruffle sour cream jalapeno salty vinegar himalaya pepper ham ketchup mustard honey soy baked not fried it could read but these crinkle chips of fried sunflower oil I've lit the smears on the back of my hand as a small half of bag is in my bag, in my bag, shop, lifting, wearing sack, potato, chip, me, muscle tension in right shoulder, I roll it a little, it crunches, eating crisps with three fingers on left hand, wiping it on the dress. On the rack, just now looking in the mirror. Eating crisps will never be the same again. This was uh, Ivan Cheng with his voice message. We have actually loose themes in our podcast, but we don't want to be uh, too precise about them. But we called this episode also Contact. And uh, there was a lot of contact going on between uh, the fingers in the crisp bag and the paprika crisp that touched the lips. Um, but um, the coming item uh, is about contact in a different way. And it's by uh, artist Luis Rodil Fernandez. And it's actually coming from one of the first broadcasts we had on Ya 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 Ne Ne Ne, live from W139, an art space uh, in the middle of the center of, uh, of Amsterdam. And it was part of a show called The Gym of Obsolete Technology. And uh, Luis Rodil Fernandez tells a story of his childhood. It's about radio and the way it functioned as form, as a first form of social network with people in his neighborhood. I'm wondering, because I don't have a radio anymore for a long time. Do you still have a radio, like a classic radio? I have a really small one. And we also, for... Uh, the, for our radio, we have a little FM transmitter, but I never really use it. I listen to German radio sometimes in the morning, but that's through an app. <laughs> so, no, I don't. I mean, I have a receiver, I guess, in my amp. Mm, yeah. But I, I don't really use that, no. But now you sometimes see videos of children, you know, where, peop- where parents show their children a telephone or a radio and they really don't know how to treat this this technology anymore. Yeah, yeah. also um, our colleague Rainier, he did a workshop at the Stedelijk with an FM transmitter. So that, that's like a little radio uh, station, basically. And then they had little radios with the, for the children because we thought it would, that would be way more exciting, actually, for them than uh, an online radio somehow for us maybe the online radio is still uh, exciting but if you grow up now it's yeah of course there's sound coming out of the internet yeah 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 but back then when um, Luis was growing up 
that was uh, pretty different i think and that's also what his piece is about so it's about him sitting in the basement on his am radio so that's that's a shorter reach and then the, then the fm one then the bigger one but yeah what i didn't know is that radio was also used for software piracy and for exchanging games and but games it sounds very abstract to me mm -hmm. well the way it works is that you can also transfer data through sound so basically the sound just says zero one zero one zero one 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 <laughs> some sort of morse code or yeah basically binary code and maybe you maybe you saw a computer once like a commodore with a tape deck mm -hmm. and the the tapes that you put in there that's also was also just data i never really used one of those but yeah i think that's what, what you kind of have to imagine that it's like a really simple form of data transmission but he will actually explain that in the piece we shouldn't we shouldn't try to explain what he can explain better so the only thing is while we're talking about this is that in the end of his piece he is using this kind of technology to transmit an image through sound and with the right software you can actually record the sound and turn it into an image again okay i'm super curious now let's have a listen this broadcast is part of an exhibition called gym of obsolete technology at the w139 in amsterdam gym of obsolete technology asks artists to visualize and give form to the tensions between the analog and the digital that come into being during moments of interference through sculpture, video, sound, light, multimedia and installation works, visitors can interact with the actual weight of obsolete technologies and explore the ways we engage with the digital and analog frameworks around us. On Tuesday evenings, I would run down the stairs to Joel's place. His mom would open the door for me and would have sandwiches ready for us. Joel would always be in his room, tinkering with something. Just before 9pm we would turn on the amateur radio transmitter that he bought in a second-hand market and we would flick the mic switch open to introduce ourselves. Hi, this is Sarah speaking. Is this frequency busy? Sarah was our calling code. Nobody used real names in ham radio, everybody had a calling code. Sarah was ours. As people started tuning in, chatter would begin. There was Leo, there was Anakin, there was Metal, Inca and Wayne. At some point, Grillo would join in. Grillo was the operator and the reason why we were all there. He didn't speak much. You could hear the rustling of paper when his mic was open and he would say, let's begin. And the game would then start. Which of these animals secretes sunscreen? Dolphins, hippos, elephants or armadillos? What is the title of the first song that was played on the moon? We would play Grillo's quiz for two hours. Every Tuesday night at the same time. Some people would join in halfway through and it was common that at some point in the night there were a dozen people in the channel. There is no such thing as a private conversation on ham radio. Anybody could join in at any time. The game went on for two hours and Grillo always stopped at around 11. His radio would then go silent. The mood was convivial and people was really nice to each other. Maybe it had something to do with the medium. The fact that on ham radio you can't hear while you speak. 
so people have to take turns to talk. Nobody interrupts each other. I was completely taken by this spontaneous and mysterious community. Was Leo my next-door neighbor? Metal must have been an older man. Was he perhaps Pedro's father? His voice sounded familiar. Did I go to school with Anakin without knowing it? Gradually, I would look forward to this once-a-week meeting of faceless people in what was a kind of proto-social network. One Tuesday night after the quiz, Grillo approached us. He gave us another frequency to tune our radio and leave the chatter for a one-to-one -one conversation. He didn't miss a bit and went straight to the point. Hi, Saro. I hear you have a Commodore computer and that you can write programs. Is that true? Yes, we both screamed. Although I was the one that could write code a little, Joel was more like the tinkering kind of guy. He didn't really like coding. Do you have a cartridge to dump tapes? Grillo asked. Yes, we do. We have a final cartridge. Great. Do you think you can remove the copy protection in Turrican? What? Whoa, you have Turrican already. Whoa, where did you get that? Turrican was a video game. Magazines had been building up expectations for months. It was supposed to have awesome graphics, awesome music, and to really push the envelope. But it wasn't even out yet. How did this guy get it? Grilla never answered any of our questions. He was the one asking the questions. After that talk, we had agreed to meet at the exit of my schoolyard at 12.30 on Wednesday. He was much older than me, 17 or 18 perhaps. He smoked and wore a leather jacket. I thought he was cool. He didn't speak much. Grillo gave me a tape. It was an expensive blank, the kind that lasts. Do you think it will be possible to remove the protection, he said. If you manage to crack it, just bring it back on the same tape. I can come back next week to see how far you get. I didn't have a computer of my own at the time, so I ran to Joel's apartment, banged on the door until his mom opened and got to his room panting. He wasn't there, so I just turned on his computer, inserted the tape in the cassette and loaded the game. Wow, it really was Turrican. Incredible. And I had it. I couldn't believe that. The reason for Grillo's strange reaching out to us started to become clear. If Grillo wanted to play as badly as I wanted to play, somebody had to crack this game. Cracking Turrican took me quite a while. I had never done anything like that and I was way over my head with it. I wasn't even sure how to get the game out of the tape, into memory and look at the... what? What was I looking for? Code? I toiled away at Joel's computer and read all the manuals while he slept. His mother would worry about me. I went to the local library and devoured all the Commodore books I could find, until I literally cracked it. I found one instruction of computer code that would trigger the copy protection mechanism and disabled it. It was my first crack, and I still had to wait two more days to the next quiz night on radio to tell Grillo. It felt incredible. Me and Joel were the only people that could play this game now in this town, maybe even in the whole country. Who knows? Joel and I played the hell out of Tarakan for two days. Suddenly we had a lot more friends in the neighborhood. That Tuesday, Grillo was the first in the channel, just before the quiz. He was already there. Hey, Sara, so did you crack it? Joe was a little overexcited. Yeah, and it's awesome. We've been playing it. 
Grillo interrupted us. Let's talk tomorrow. He didn't even mention it anymore. He said we were wanna play the quiz just like every Tuesday. Joel and I were puzzled. We were still infatuated with this new game and solving the puzzle of cracking it. We wanted to tell everybody about it. We couldn't understand Grillo. That night we did really badly in the quiz, I think. That Wednesday, he actually walked into the schoolyard when he saw me coming out with my backpack. My teacher wasn't pleased because she didn't like anybody smoking in the schoolyard. I had a tape ready for him. I gave him my cracked copy of Turrican and in exchange Grillo gave me another blank. In the paper strip it said Jana Sisters. It was another game. I didn't even know this one. Where was this guy getting this stuff from? He asked me, do you think you can try this one for next week? I think maybe I can have it sooner. How about tomorrow? I think Grillo really liked that. These cassette tapes were video games. At least they were games to a computer. Joel's Commodore computer had a cassette tape unit. You got the games as regular cassette tapes and the computer would load the data from the tape. But if you played back these cassette tapes in a regular cassette player, you could hear a strange noise. A kind of structured noise with repeating patterns, beeps and bops. The tapes contained data. The data that made the video game. But that data could also be interpreted as sound. You put one tape in and you hear Michael Jackson singing. You put another tape in and it's a bizarre noise, incomprehensible to any listener that wasn't in the know. After I had cracked Jana's sisters, Grillo and us were talking more regularly. Next Tuesday, after the amateur radio quiz, Grillo told everybody to tune in an FM radio on 98.5 on the dial. He said that at midnight exactly, he would be broadcasting something. He didn't say what. What? We thought. FM was a completely different ball game. That was the commercial frequencies, the radio where you couldn't talk back. It was broadcast radio. All we had to do was tune our FM radios and record a broadcast on tape. Sure enough, midnight came. The half-faded commercial radio station blaring crappy pop songs went silent. We heard a familiar shuffling of papers that Grillo had us used to. He didn't say anything. At some point we heard a click, so we started our recorders and the noise started flooding the room. A good 35 minutes later, the noise stopped. Joel and I scrambled to take the tape out of the recorder and into the computer cassette unit, and we started loading the game. It was Jana Sisters. Yes! We didn't care so much for the game itself, because I had cracked it days ago, and we had been playing it since then. But we were blown away by Grillo's scanning. He really did take over a commercial radio station and broadcast a game. He knew how to take things to the next level. With time, I got better at cracking the games and the whole process became smoother. I would get a tape before lunch and I would have it cracked in the afternoon. Then Grillo would take over the FM station that same night at midnight. 
I used to get a rush out of cracking these crazy puzzles in the shortest time possible. It seemed to me at the time that the possibilities of what we were doing were limitless. We could broadcast anything we wanted, get our hands on any game we wanted, we could trade and exchange and meet people doing it. It was the perfect escape to the small town provincial life that would otherwise be so boring. At last year's Transmediale, Peter Sunde, one of the founders of the Pirate Bay, said that we had lost. We had lost the internet. We had lost the internet to lobbies like the motion picture lobby, the music industry lobby, the billion-user mega-monopolies, the Googles and Facebooks, behemoths of centralization and vehicles of mass control. The popular narrative of the internet is gone for good. The network of networks that we let into our lives as a liberating force, providing free and equal access to knowledge for everyone, at least everyone with a connection, instant communication with anybody in the planet, a tool for the commons, a societal transformation led by collaboration and free culture with an egalitarian bias. That's the internet that we seem to have lost. In fact, the internet has always been like this. It's the shiny all happy narrative that has exhausted its capability to describe it. The true innovation in technological innovation is that technology always manages to disappoint us in novel ways. The dream of an anarchic and egalitarian network might be lost to the internet, but the existence of this narrative will define new struggles. The struggle for decentralization, for encrypted protocols, for transparency, the struggle for net neutrality. It is important to not lose that narrative so that new spaces, new fault lines in the smooth surfaces of technology can be found and the dream be kept alive as a form of resistance. All of Grillo's broadcasts on FM were more or less alike. At midnight, a particular national radio station would go completely silent. Seconds later, you would hear a video game tune. This let us know that it was Grillo. When the tune ended, there would be a few seconds of silence, enough for listeners to start our tape recorders. The noise of the data broadcast would follow for somewhere between 15 to 45 minutes, depending on the size of the game. At first, we were a handful, but soon every kid in the neighborhood with a computer and a tape unit was tuning in to get the latest and greatest. This was Grillo's own pirate bay. The data in the rest of this broadcast is encoded as 16-bit monoaural audio at 22 kHz, using PCM or pulse code modulation. The raw audio data represents the raw RGB values of an image. I chose for this simple conversion because it sounds more interesting than the original encoding used by Commodore cassettes. Decoding this will only work if you are listening to this in uncompressed form. What follows is a 10 by 10 pixel transparent PNG image. 
What follows is a 450 by 300 pixel flag with two triangular halves. The top half is red and the bottom half is black. What follows is a data broadcast of an image that is 350 by 464 pixels. This image symbolizes an attempt at preserving something precious, a representation of a representation, so to speak. So I'm wondering what image you are seeing now, but that was um, a piece by um, Luis Rodil Fernandez, Sending Data. Um, we actually have another voice message um, by Ivan Cheng. It's more like a, a bonus track. Yeah, he sent one a little bit later, and it was recorded during a rehearsal of part two of a piece called Biscuit Betrayal. You can find the first one on YouTube. And this one has Eugene Choi singing The Last Glow by Marcus Whale and Ivan speaking beside her. And this will be uh, the final part of um, this uh, episode. So thank you for listening. Um, we're also a radio station. So if you're curious about more of our broadcasts, uh, visit yayayayanenene.com for our archive and upcoming broadcasts. And if you have any feedback, just get in touch through info at yayayayanenene.com Thanks for listening and now Ivan Chang
said something like, Where are Thinking about you and what your parents do. It's meaningful that you're interpreting these scores. You didn't laugh any of the last time when I did that stupid voice. <laughs> Sorry. Um. Your parents also. Interpret images. And then later like that we stop walking. We sat half buried in bristly bush. We wouldn't roll too far. We kissed. We kissed. It was okay. It was nice. Not like a bad kiss with too much tongue sucking. That's when the opening seals itself. Forces clockage tunnel. Artery blocked. I forgot to bring the charger for my shave. I forgot to bring the power conduit with me. The bristles here are coming out a bit. Need a trim. Beard growing. No tools to fix it. Powerless. Coming out. Coming out. His tongue is almost rough. Plays in the sky. Tobacco taste. Crumbs in folds. Resistance. Vestiges. Remainders. Crumbs. Survivors. Remains. Remnants. The relic reveals. To where I'm Is that who he saw me as? Where I In relation to my parents? I'm at the bristly bit of the pipeline, the bit near the beard. And also, the bit near the butt. Tangled hair, scraggly pipeline kiss. I don't see a future. I'm stuck at this moment, spiraling. No up, no down. First, a tube, a tube if you want, and around the tube is a skin. The first character of this topology is that it's a resounding thing. The air can go through the tube, and you have the skin over it, and you produce music. The body is first a certain sound, and that sound is the voice. And yes, with a little more time, I would claim that to make love is to produce a sound. Sometimes a real sound, even with words, but even in the silence, there is a certain sound that is a certain resonance, resounding or vibration. I am a parked car, shelled, or boring down, gravel, Down. My last crumb. Day.